Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue this morning with our series that we've been doing. Uh, there's been a couple of breaks as we've been going, um, going through this. And can I just get someone to just blank that? Because I don't want people reading announcements while I'm, uh, while I'm trying to teach. Thank you. I didn't realize that was still going. We've been talking about our identity in Christ. We've been talking about who we are. We've been talking about the purpose for which God has created us. Amen. Just by way of review back in week one, which was, you know, must be about six weeks ago now, we spoke about the fact that we are made for a purpose. Do you believe that this morning? You were made for a purpose. God did not make a mistake when you were made. When you were born, you were not born by accident. You were created for a purpose. Amen. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And so he is the best one to assign us our value. Amen. And he is the best one to get our identity from because he is the one who gives us purpose and meaning. Amen. That was week one. Week two, we learned about, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that? We talked about how others may label us, call us certain things based on our upbringing or where we are in life. Amen. Or perhaps we might feel that our past has labeled us, you know, where we've made mistakes in the past. And and I was reading an article today, just today, actually, while I was eating my breakfast, about a lady who went to jail for four years wrongfully accused of a murder she didn't commit. And they finally found DNA evidence for the person who had actually done it, and they arrested him and put him in jail, and she was freed. But for four years, the media constantly attacked her and said, you're a horrible person, you're a murderer, you're a... And the whole time, she had not done it. She had nothing to do with it. It was not her fault at all, right? And yet now, she goes to certain areas, and people still treat her like a murderer because she's been labeled. Amen. And so even though we might get labeled by past mistakes or even labeled unintentionally or labeled wrongly, the reality is in week two, we discovered that our true identity is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then week three, which was two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God has given you incredible gifts. Amen. I'm going to try that again. God has given you, everyone say me. Me. God has given you incredible gifts. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's try and wake you all up here this morning. The question is not whether or not you were gifted. The question is not whether or not you were talented. The question is not whether or not God has a purpose and a plan for you. The question is, are you using the gifts and the talents that God has given you for His kingdom or not? And we spoke to you about the, the parable of the man with the, the five talents, the three talents, or the two talents, sorry, and the one talent. And the guy with the one buried in the ground. He had a gift, but he didn't use it. That's why his Lord was angry with him. Amen. If he had gone out and gotten another talent on top of that one talent, right, his Lord would have been pleased with him. It wasn't as good as what the guy with the five talents got, but he used what God has given us, what God had given him. Amen. And so the question is, is are you using the gift that God has given you? 
Or, or are you just sort of cruising through life, not doing anything in the kingdom of God, not doing anything for the work of God, not doing anything for the body of Christ, and ignoring the talents and the abilities and the gifts that God has given you? Right? That was week three. And today we're going to continue on. We're going to wrap up this series. And we're going to talk about the fact that God created us in His image. And that alone should be enough to start giving us an idea of our value. Amen. We're going to do a little exercise here. I'm going to need some people to help me. All right, let's pick, uh, let's go blue. Blue's a good color. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to draw a line on this board, okay? Here's the rules. I want someone else to come up and add one line to my line. Anywhere on the board. It doesn't matter. Wherever you want. You just got to put the pen on, draw a line, and then lift the pen off. Who wants to go first? Who wants to help me out? There you go. Just draw a line about as long as I have, any way you want. Excellent. Okay. Who else? Come on. We need to get through this. Go on, Brother Stan. Add a line. Very similar. Any way you want. It can be curved. It can be straight. Whatever you prefer. Okay. Brother Diddy? Who else? Come on, we need to get about 20 people doing this. I need some more people. Come on up, just come on up. That's it. Draw a line any way you want. It's just got to be about as long as... Okay. Keep going. Who else? Come, Brother Isaac. Oh, that's interesting. Brother Joseph. Come, Brother Gara. Oh, oh, wow. That's different. Come on, we still need more people up here. Come on, let's just get as many people as we can. Oh, look at that. There's a little something going on at the top there with Brother Gara. Wow. Ah, oh, my mind is blowing. Okay, who else? Come on, everyone, let's go. Let's get as many people up here. If we want to get the whole church up here, let's get the whole church up here. Everyone, wow, look out. That's counterculture, that. <laughs> Woo, so smooth. Who else? Come on, there's some people here who haven't gotten up and you're itching to draw a line. I can tell it. Wow, we seem to have a bit of continuity going on there, don't we? Continuous lines. Anyone else? Come on up. Come on up. Come on, why don't we make this interesting? Let's get a red pen going as well. Let's get some more people. Come on, red pen. There we go. Red pen, blue pen. Come on, just come up and take pens from people. There we go. Excellent. Who else? Come on, Sister Linda. It's just got to, you got to put the pen on there once and do whatever you want and then take it off. Wow, man. Let's go. Come on, Brother Drew. Come and draw a line on the board. There you go. Just anywhere you want. Just like that. However you feel. Whatever. There you go. Look at that. Perfect. Who else? 
Who else needs to draw a line? Come on. Let's get five more people. Five more people to draw a line for me. Come on. There we go. You can have blue. I need five more. Come on, Sister Gara. I can tell you're interested. You're putting your glasses on like you're serious now. Ah, oh, look at that. We've got a right angle. Four more. Four more. I need four more people. Come on, Sister Wendy. Come on, Sister Wapow. There you go. One, two, come on up. Our sister was baptized last week, by the way. Praise the Lord. There you go, Sister Gary. All right. Excellent. That'll do us, I think. Perfect. Okay. Now, what is that a picture of? Looks like the head of a person. Potentially. Shells? Sunlight? There's a few different options, isn't it, as to what it could be. But here's the reality. Because there is many authors of this particular painting, there's really no direction, is there? There's really no sense of what it is actually meant to be. You can't look at that definitively and go, that's a picture of a farm, right? That's a picture of a shark. You can't, there's, there's just, it's just, really, it's just a mess, isn't it? There's not really anything in here. Here's the thing. In our Christian walk, we allow so many people to have an influence on our life that at the end of the day, our life looks like an incoherent mess sometimes. But all the best paintings in the world are done by one artist. And when one artist picks up the pen and has full free range to do whatever they want, they can draw a masterpiece. How much better would it be in our life, in our walk with God, if we could take the pen of our life and rather than give it to everybody else in our life to have power and influence over our life, we give it to God and say, God, you be the one master author of my life. You be the one painter in my life. You be the only person who is allowed to set the direction for my life. That's what we're talking about this morning, amen, is this idea that if we let other people have control of shaping our lives, what we look like, how we act, where we go. The final product can be questionable. You could be one thing, it could be another thing, who knows what it could be. But what we ought to do is we ought to relinquish our full control to the one who started painting us in the first place. Because Jesus is the one who knows the best final outcome, amen? And his products are unmatchable and irreplaceable. Now if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me? We're going to go to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. We're going to go to chapter 1. That's the first chapter in the first book of the Bible. And we're going to read verse 1. That's the first verse in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If we skip down to verse 26, 
It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. The very first five words of the entire Bible are unmistakable. Amen? Amen. In the beginning, God created. God is the creator of everything we see around us. The creation, the sky, the stars, the moon, the birds, the the fish that swims in the fish tank we've got at home. God created all of it. God is the one who set the universe into motion. Amen. And the author of Genesis goes on to tell us that everything God created was good. Can you say amen? Amen. Everything God put his hands to was good. Everything that God thought about doing was good. There was nothing that God created that was bad. Amen. Every part of his creation, every portion, every aspect of his creation was completed. It was whole. It was the way that it was designed to be. And from the very beginning, God only created good things. Everyone say good things. He also created people. And people were created in God's image. Did you know you are created in the image of God? We did not come into existence through happenstance. We did not come out of some bog. We did not evolve from monkeys. Amen. We were created with purpose and with intention. And with a plan and with a future that God had already mapped out. We were not created just by chance. God didn't go, you know what? We don't have enough two-legged animals walking around the earth. I'll create this other one and I'll call it a man. No. God created us with purpose and with intentionality. Amen. And we were created specifically in the image of the Most High God. No other creature that God created could claim that. But God made you and me in the image of God. And so being created in His image, everyone say His image, should give us an idea of how valuable we are. We need to be aware of our value in His eyes and apply that understanding to our life. I just wonder if maybe perhaps we wouldn't make some of the decisions we've made in our lives if we understood how valuable we are to God. I just wonder if maybe some of those words and barbs that people throw at us wouldn't matter so much if we could truly understand that we are created in the image of God and just how much value that brings to us. Amen? But that's not all. Let's flip over in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Thank you, Shamiller, for getting me some water, wherever you are. I know you're here somewhere. There you are. Thank you. 
That's another thing that just happens every Sunday because someone takes care of it. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. Say amen when you're there. It says, but he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own ways. And the Lord has laid on him. Not you, him, the iniquity of us all. See, not only are we created in the image of God, but Jesus painted for us the ultimate portrait of love when he died on a cross for his people. We were of such value to Jesus. That he was willing to pay the price for your sin. And he was willing to pay the price for my sin. And even though we do have faults and we do fail him from time to time, the high price that he paid signifies just how valuable we are to him. Because think about it, if, if what we know about God is true, that God knows the beginning from the end, that He lives outside of time, that He created our lives with purpose and with meaning and with intentionality, and He, and he knows every decision that we're going to make, and He knows the path that we're going to walk, He knows that we're going to fail Him. And He knows that we were going to let Him down. And He knows that we were going to mess up. He knows that maybe some of us might backslide for a while. But yet he still said, it is still worth me paying that price. And then when you think about the fact that he knew that some people would still reject him. That some people would completely turn their backs on him and say, no, I do not want the salvation that you have created for me. He was still willing. Purely because they were created in the image of God. And because he loves them. To come and pay the price. Are you starting to get an understanding of how valuable you are to Jesus? He knew that we would fail Him. He knew that we would struggle with insignificance, with insecurity. But to Him, you and I are worth the great price that He paid. He hung there on that cross. His arms outstretched, His blood poured out and breathed His last breath just for you. Mm. I think we ought to just stop here right now for a second and just thank the Lord for that. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He did that for you. Selfless love hung there because He thought that you had great value. He thought that you were specially designed enough that you were worth redeeming. Oh, that just makes me want to love Him more. 
And yet when I see Christians struggling with feeling like I have no meaning in life, and I see Christians struggling with being inadequate, you want to grab them and you want to say, hey, think of the cross of Calvary. Jesus was still willing to die for you. Listen to me, church. You are not insignificant. You are not meaningless. You have great value and great worth in the eyes of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us that everything God created was good. Every creature is good. And so I think we need to learn to just be thankful for how God made us. You know, sometimes we, so, we get so caught up with judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves. And I wish I wasn't like that. I, I wish I could be better. I wish I didn't make that mistake. I, I, I wish I didn't have that kind of personality. When the reality is, is that Jesus loves you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. And you were designed with purpose. And the truth of the matter is, is that you are more valuable than you probably give yourself credit for. What's the most valuable thing you've ever bought? A car? Yeah. What else? What's the most valuable thing you've ever bought? A car is a great example. It's the first one that sticks into my mind too. Have you ever noticed that when you give your children pocket money and make them buy their own toys, they seem to look after them a bit better? When you associate something with great value, you treat it better, don't you? You look after it better. You, you, you take a bit more care with it, right? You might... Put it on a nice shelf somewhere, you know. I know that um, when we got married, we were given a very nice, um, excuse me, we were given a very nice uh, cutlery set. Very nice, very expensive. And it was so nice, we didn't use it. (laughs) Anyone else ever done that? You know, gotten something so nice, you're like, I should use it, but... It's just so nice. I don't want to use it. Why? Because we associate value with that, don't we? And so we, we treat it differently. You know, when I pull a knife out of the, out of the kitchen, I think I just, when I, when I finish, when I, when I dry it, I just chuck it in there. But, you know, this cutlery set, we would pull it out for special occasions and special guests. And, and we would finish using it and we would wash it and we would carefully wipe each individual piece of cutlery, put each cutlery piece back in its little place in the box and carefully put the box and put it back on the shelf. I remember when I was growing up, I don't know if my mother listens to these podcasts, but she'll probably laugh when I tell this story. When I was growing up, my mother had this set of crystal, crystal salad servers, pure crystal, right? And she loved them. They were so nice. And she would only use them for, for special guests. This was in the Solomon Islands. We would use them. And back when I was a child, when I was younger, it was my job to wash the dishes. That's what I did. Kids, if your parents get you to wash the dishes, it's a good thing. Wash the dishes and one day you can be a pastor. <laughs> 
But it used to be my job to wash the dishes and it was my brother's job to dry the dishes. Kids, dry the dishes and you can be a pastor too because that's what my brother's doing. <laughs> right? And every time I would wash these crystal salad servers, I think that they, they were like my grandmother's. And she'd pass them down to her mother who'd pass them down to her mother. And I would carefully wash them, so carefully. I would empty the sink. I would wash it. And I was doing exactly that. I was so careful. And I washed it. And I turned to give one of them to my... Just one, not two. I would only hold one at a time. No way I'd hold two at a time. Turned to hand it to my brother. And I said, please be careful with this. Dry it carefully. And as I went to give it to him, my hand still had soap from the sink and it slipped out of my hand and fell to the ground. And it's crystal. It shattered into about a million bits. I was so devastated. I hit the floor and wept because I knew how valuable these were to my mom. I just I hit the floor. I couldn't even stand. I just hit the floor weeping because I'd broken it. I couldn't believe it. My mum came in. And as soon as she saw what had happened and saw me on the floor weeping, she said, it is okay. Don't worry about it. Please, it's okay. You're my precious child. I love you more than I love my salad service. Right? But the value that I was associating with those salad servers and the value that a parent associates their children with, that still doesn't come close to the value that God puts on your life and my life. And so often we make mistakes. We break the crystal saladware of our life. And we wonder how are we going to find our way back? When if we realize that if the correct attitude is to come to God and say, God, I've broken it again. He doesn't care. He can fix it. He can restore you. He can make you whole because you are valuable to Him. And if God took so much care in your creation and God was willing to offer Himself in your place. Everyone say, my place. In response to your debt of sin then you must be valuable. So we are valuable for at least three reasons. First one, we derive our personal value from His sacrifice and not from our standards or not from our social standards because our Christ-like image makes us infinitely valuable. This is why it is so important to get your identity and your value from Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid for your sins. He's the one who created you. And so we get our value from Him. We get our value from God. Amen. The second area that we get our value from is our needed contribution to the kingdom and to society. As Christians, you are valuable. We are valuable to God because we are witnesses for Him. On this earth, when we live our lives for Jesus Christ, when we live our lives set apart from the world, when we live our lives looking to make a difference, we are valuable to God. We stand against the tide of the world as it's slipping further and further into darkness. That's the second reason. The second reason that we are valuable is that we are unique. Everyone say, I am unique. 
You have exclusive traits and abilities, and that makes you one of a kind. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. What makes something valuable? How rare it is, right? Why is gold more valuable than rocks? Because there's lots of rocks out there. You can walk out the front door and pick up a rock, right? But to get gold, that's a lot harder. You've got to dig a lot deeper. You've got to do a lot of work refining it and melting it and burning it and making it pure and pulling out all the impurities, right? It's harder to get. That makes it valuable. You are unique. You are one of a kind. That makes you valuable. Your characteristics, your talents, your viewpoints, your unique experiences allow you to fill a niche or a small area where nobody else in the body of Christ can fill. You can fill it. And you can accomplish things that others cannot. As with any work of art, each piece is different. But all of them are beautiful. Amen. You know, you look at anything like, let's just pick an artist. Let's say, um, I don't know, the first one that springs to my mind is Pablo Picasso or Rembrandt. You know, everything that guy created, let's go Rembrandt, right, is valuable. Millions of dollars for some of his work. But even like an unfinished sketch, just a little sketch in the sketchbook that Rembrandt did, it'll still sell for maybe millions, I don't know. But still a lot more than if I sketched it. Why? Because Rembrandt sketched it. Right? You get what I mean? Because Picasso sketched it. Right? So each work of art is different. But every single one of them is valuable. Right? You might be at a different stage in your walk with God. You might be just the start of a sketch. You might be a half-finished sculpture. You might be towards the end of your walk with God. Right? You're just as valuable. There's no difference in your value to someone who's just started out. We are all valuable, amen? We might appear similar in theme, in color and technique, but it's the detail that God has given every single one of us that makes us unique. This is why the Bible warns us and says those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Nobody can walk the walk that you were walking because you're unique. Because there's no one else like you. God has created you with your purpose. And we, we, we err when we look at someone else and we go, I wish, they were, I wish I was more like them. Or I, I wish I had that person's strengths. Or, or that person's talents. Or, or that person's abilities. Right? You don't have those by design. God has created you the way He's created you. And you're valuable. Everyone say, I'm valuable. So we are similar, but we are different. Amen? There are some attributes in society that we identify as valuable, right? For example, um, and they're good for certain people. Let's pick a soldier. What kind of attributes would you want a soldier to have? Right? Strong. Courageous. Brave. Right? These are things that we associate with someone who's a soldier. And we value those. We value those in those people. Right? People who look good. They like to become actors. Right? 
They like being on the screen. They're not afraid to act in front of other people. Right? People who are good public speakers. People who are persuasive. Right? These are characteristics that many people have and we value them in a certain aspect. And, and the thing is, though, is that if everybody was like that, if everybody had all these characteristics, the world would be very boring, wouldn't it? There'd be nobody who's unique. And so even though many of us have similar traits, you know, there might be multiple people who are good at cooking. I am not one of them, bless the Lord. But there might be multiple people who are good at cooking. There might be multiple people who are good at public speaking. There might be multiple people who are good at playing the piano. There might be multiple people who are good at shaking hands as people walk in the church. Right? That doesn't mean that you are less valuable because we've all been created with little intricacies and unique details that nobody else have. And it's those differences that make us valuable. Amen? And so every single one of us is different. Every single one of us is unique. And every single one of us have a unique purpose. So nothing will ever give us more intrinsic value than knowing that we have been created in His image and considering His sacrifice for our debt. But we never realize our own value more when we are fulfilling our God-given purpose. And that's my challenge for you as we get ready to, to draw this series to an end. What's your purpose? Why are you here? I could put it like that. Where do you fit into the body of Christ? You know, this was something that we discussed at the ministers and leaders retreat that we were at, wasn't it, Brother Kenneth? We talked about how we need to find things for people to do. You know, and, and one, of the, one of the speakers was saying that him and his leadership team sat down and wrote out as many possible jobs as they could. Like they just wrote out hundreds of jobs, hundreds of jobs, little tiny jobs, you know, the, the trash taking out person, right? And then they give everybody in the church a test to find out what their gifts are, what their strengths are, where their characteristics are, where they fit in. And they use that to try and work out, well, I, we think you could fit in over here. We think you could do that over there, right? But what is your purpose this morning? Where do you fit in? How can you serve the kingdom of God? Amen? Maybe your calling in life that God has given you is to pick people up for church in your car. That is incredibly valuable. That's incredibly valuable. Maybe your ministry is to call the pastor up and say, Hey, pastor, can we take Jonathan for a while? We want to look after him for you. That's incredibly valuable. Don't worry, I'm not hinting. There's someone specifically in mind who already does that for me. Amen? But it's valuable. It's important. Maybe your ministry is to preach the word. That's valuable. That's important. But that's no more valuable, no more important than the person who takes trash out. Amen? Because we're all created equally. We all have infinite value in the eyes of God. Amen? So what is your purpose? Amen? In what ways are you realizing your value? Hmm. To truly realize our value, you have to realize your purpose. 
And not only do you have to realize what your purpose is, you have to put your hands to that purpose and go, okay, I am going to do what God has gifted me to do. I'm going to do what God has created me to do. Someone say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? We're going to talk to the Lord in prayer. And as we pray, I want you to just start reflecting on on how God has created you with value. And start reflecting on on, on what is what is my purpose in life? Why am, why, why am I a part of this church? Why has God put me here? Because you're not here by mistake. Let me just say that. You're not here by, whoops, God's, well, God wasn't like, whoa, how did Brother Scotty get in here? I didn't see him coming in. No, you're here by design. So what's your purpose? Why has God put you in this church? Precious Jesus, feel your presence here right now, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.